Galatians 1, 6 through 9. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you... A gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Today, let's focus in on verse 8. But if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. And so what we've seen is that the one true gospel is so crucial, but it's so easily lost or reversed or abandoned. And this awakens us, and this forces on us a really troubling question. How can we ensure that the gospel we believe is the true one? How do we know it's not merely a gospel that we feel is true or 
are told that it's true or think it's true or sounds true or hope it's true, but it is true objectively and therefore can save actually, eternally. So what Paul is doing here is he's laying down in the strongest possible language a way to evaluate, a way to judge all the truth claims, whether they're external, come from teachers or angels or writers or thinkers or preachers, or whether they're internal, from feelings and sensations and experiences and intuitions and hunches. And that standard is the gospel that he and the other, we'll call them the capital A apostles, those original apostles, received from Christ and taught, and which is found in this letter of Galatians and in the rest of the New Testament. So in verse 8, saying, this is how you judge the external authorities, such as other human teachers, human institutional leaders, or even the ordained officers in a church hierarchy. This is the, the plumb line, the way you judge them. And it's remarkable that he says, even if we, Paul includes himself as a human authority, and he's saying that he, even he, must be rejected if he changes his mind about what the actual gospel is. And he tells us that the gospel didn't come to him through a process of reasoning or reflection or personal, it wasn't the end of a personal journey for self-discovery. It was received. He was given. He didn't arrive at it. He received it. So he's not free to alter it through his own reasoning or assumptions or reflecting. In Galatians 2, he's going to tell us that his gospel was confirmed by others who had also received the message from revelation. It was given to them. This apostolic consensus, what he calls the gospel deposit, is therefore the touchstone for judging all truth claims from the outside or from the inside. And this is so important. And Paul is saying in verse 8 that even his apostolic authority comes from the authority of the gospel, not vice versa. Paul is telling them to evaluate and judge both him as an apostle and his teaching with this biblical gospel. So it's the Bible that judges the church. It's not the church that judges the Bible. The Bible creates the church. The church does not create the Bible. Sometimes you'll hear the phrase talk about the church as a creature of the word. That's the way the reformers talked about what the church is. It results from the true preaching of the gospel. The true preaching of the word in the Bible is the root and the church is the fruit. Why that matters is because some people will say that, you know, even say things like there even wasn't a Bible until 353 and Council of Nicaea. And they were the first, it was the church who formulated the Bible. And that's just not the right order. The Bible is the foundation for and the creator of the church. The church is not the foundation for the creator of the Bible. To say that the church created the Bible is kind of like saying Isaac Newton created gravity. When the apple dropped on his head, he didn't create gravity. He just recognized what was already there. That was the church's role when it formulated the canon. It didn't create it. It just recognized what was already there and true. The church was created by the word, not the other way around. 
So what that means is that the church in this hierarchy must always be evaluated by the believer with the biblical gospel. It's our touchstone for judging all other things. So external institutions or hierarchies don't create this. And then internal feelings and experience and assumptions and opinions don't create this. We don't judge the Bible by our feelings or our convictions or our common current cultural currency. We judge our experiences by the Bible. That means that if an angel literally showed up one Sunday and started preaching and taught that salvation was by good works or anything except faith alone in Christ, we should literally kick the angel out. Now, that might be a terrifying experience, might be quite unusual. You would say that's not a normal experience, but even that would be judged by the reality of the gospel. If we or an angel, he gives a sweeping summary of what we call a proper Christian epistemology. How do we know what's true? We know what's true by having our minds shaped by this gospel. So let us commit today to letting it shape us, it judge us, it form us. Because as Paul tells us here, the stakes are high. Our knowledge of Christ, the truth of the gospel, the eternity, de- the eternal destiny of our souls, these are things that are worth fighting for, speaking out over, worth reminding ourselves and others of over and over and over again. Paul's bluntness here is loving. He loves the Lord, loves the gospel, and loves his people. So we fight against the things that can attack those things. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son. 